Hello, everyone. Trust you are well. This is the 41st edition of Leadership Talk with Adegoke. Leadership Talk with Adegoke. And uh, me tonight, Abiola Shuremekun. Uh, Abiola Shuremekun. We're going to be looking at leadership and marriage. Leadership and marriage. How are you today, ma? Thank you. Trust I'm fine. Thank you. Coach, I'm so so thank I mean, thank you very much. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. I mean, once again, I've been here before in the maiden edition, I think, of your uh, leadership topic. I think we can, uh, of course, I've been keeping tabs with all your uh, talks and uh, you've been coming up with great content. I mean, we've been learning a lot. So, thank you so much, Coach. I think okay. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. All right. Can you tell us who is Abiola Shuremeku, please? Okay. Um, first of all, Abiola Shuremeku is a wife and then a mother. Okay. And then I, I work in the oil and gas industry with over 25 years um, professional experience. I'm a chartered uh, manager of uh, uh, Charter Management Institute of UK. I'm a certified joint Maxwell speaker, coach, and trainer. I'm a U.S. certified uh, marriage counselor, and I'm recently, of course, an author, and uh, I published my first book on Essential to be Successful Marriage, a step-by-step -step guide, last year. So, in a nutshell, that's just me. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So, how did you get into leadership? Well, let me first of all say something, that uh, everyone is a leader. Of course, as a child, you know, from the time I always believe, I mean, it is my own opinion that as a child, from the time when you begin to discern between right and wrong, you are an unconscious leader. Then from the time when I grew up, I started reading the inspirational books, I became a conscious leader. But when I joined John Maxwell, I became an intentional leader. Wow. So everyone wow. is a leader. Yeah. Now, I just want to just jump in real quick, you know. Uh, marriage, the institution of marriage, I know it's, you know, uh, ordained by God. And um, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. I said marriage is an institution ordained by God. What's your marriage? What's your perspective on marriage? Okay, so... um. Marriage, of course, I mean, like you said, is an institution ordained by God. I mean, marriage is made in heaven, but the maintenance is made on earth, you know? Okay. And then, yes, of course. And then marriage is something that God created between the man and the woman to come together to become one. So marriage is God's gift to man, and the Bible has the manner for marriage. So marriage is one of the I mean, greatest gifts that God has given to man. For, because even the Bible says, I mean, it is not good for man to be alone. He created Adam and then he said, oh, okay, Adam, you are alone. Let me create a need for you so that you can keep the company. So marriage is also for companionship. And uh, what else can I say about marriage? Marriage, of course, is also for procreation. He said, go ye and, uh, and be fruitful, subdue the earth, you know, and all that. So marriage is one of the things, as I said, that God created for man. You know, for companionship and for procreation. Wow, amazing! Now you you've been married for for twenty five years. 
Yeah, over More 25 years. Over yeah. 25 years. Now, I think, you know, uh, it, it must not have, it, it's not been, you know, an easy road. But what's your perspective on marriage? Okay, um, let, let me let me tell you something. I mean, something that I always share with a lot of people. I always okay. tell people that marriage, I mean, the decision of who you marry in marriage is one of the most important decisions that anyone can make. Either the decision okay. of salvation or wanting to serve God or wanting to be, I mean, live your life, I mean, uh, in, the, in a Christ-like manner, the second most important decision I can ever make in life is who you choose, I mean, your partner. And then also, because I say this because every man, born of man, born of woman, has a destiny to fulfill, has a purpose to fulfill. So the person you marry can either help you to fulfill that marriage, sorry, your purpose, can either help you to fulfill your purpose, or can delay your purpose, or can even mind. There has been different uh, I mean, uh, uh, stories, various stories, uh, various, various cases, incidences of people, I mean, passing on in marriage through uh, physical abuse. And there are also, um, there's also been stories of even children, you know, being victims of marriage, being, um, I mean, uh, 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 children not fulfilling their purpose, children not even, I mean, being impacted by the choice of uh, 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 the, the, the kind of family wow. that they find themselves in. So marriage is a very, very important thing. And I always also tell people that marriage has a ripping effect because, so, and so that's why it is very important for us that when we're going to marry, and even while we're in the marriage, we should think of the rippling effect that marriage has. What are some of these rippling effects? It has the rippling effect on the society, because the children that you bring into the marriage, if you do not train your children, if they go out there, they disturb the society. But if you train your children, your children will go into the society and become good citizens. Wow, amazing. Now, I know you, you wrote a book on marriage, you know, uh, can you just speak to that book? Okay, so um, uh, I published this book, I mean, uh, last year. It's called Essentials of a Successful Marriage, a step-by-step -step guide. And the, the synopsis of Essential of a Successful Marriage, it contains, you know, I mean, the foreword, of course, and then the introduction. And then I, I talked about seven essentials. I mean, seven, the, the figure seven is not by mistake because seven, is a, a figure of uh, perfection. So um, this, uh, the essentials that I talked about are communication. Of course, the list is not exhaustive. I, I talked about communication. I talked about trust. I talked about finance. And I talked about uh, commitment. I talked about romance. I talked about love. And I talked about prayer. And I said that some of these essentials are very important to marriage. And in my book, I explain briefly how each one of them can help uh, us to, I mean, a, I mean, have a, a successful marriage. And I also say, and I also, there's also one thing that I always say that uh, successful marriage will never just fall into your lap. It's not automatic. You have to okay. make your marriage work. I mean, you work at your marriage to make it work. From the time you say, I do in your marriage, you, I mean, you're responsible for what you, I mean, you have in your marriage. If you work at it, you get a successful marriage. If you do not work at it, then you get what you work for. Okay, and then also there's something also that I always say that uh, I mean, I mean, by being I've only been married for like 25 years. I mean, I would not call that. Well, I'll give God the glory, but I always tell people that I don't come here to blow my trumpet, but I'm coming here to leave a legacy and to share a word of knowledge about marriage and also 
to, 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 to fulfill a calling that the Lord has placed on me on successful marriages. And because also I, I lost, I mean, um, a, a half brother by a victim of marriage. So to me, marriage is very important. Marriage is something that we should think of for those who are already married. Even if you made the right thing, I mean, wrong choice, you feel you make the wrong choice, you can still work at your marriage. You know, but if you're not yet married, think very well about it before you make uh, uh, that commitment to marriage because you know that your, I mean, your choice of, uh, of partner will be affecting somebody's life. I mean, it will be affecting the life of your children, it will be affecting the society as a whole. Wow, wow, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. If you join, just joined us, uh, I, I want you to, I want to encourage you to share this page uh, to your friends, to your, to your timeline. Uh, make sure you share this page because somebody out there needs to listen to this message. I mean, the issue of marriage is so, is so instructive. It's, it's so important. Uh, so I want you to like and share this page. Like and share this page. Now, um, what are the signs that a marriage, you know? That indicate that you have a good marriage. Sorry, can you come again? The signs that indicate that show that you have a good marriage. Okay, what are the signs that indicates that you have a good marriage? First of all, I mean, uh, um, uh, John Maxwell, you know, our leader, I mean, John Maxwell would always say that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And then leadership is not about titles, it's not about position, it's about whose life that you are influencing. And then a leader, knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. And then also, for you to know that your marriage is successful, what are the things that you will see in that marriage? There's purpose, there's dignity of purpose, there's integrity, there's responsibility, there's, I mean, dependability. I mean, you are approachable as a person, and then you're diligent, and then you're respectful, and then you're compassionate. And then so the signs of a good marriage, you will see intimacy, you will see joy, you will see peace, you will see unity of purpose. You will see teamwork. You will see trust. Those are some of the things that you see in a good marriage. And I always say, there are no perfect marriages. The only thing that you have is successful marriages. And what is the successful marriage? A successful marriage is just two people coming together to say, okay, look, I mean, we're going to make our mistakes about, we're going to, as we go along, we're going to forgive our mistakes, and then we're going to go along together, committed together. Those are people who know that they made a commitment in their mind, that vow that we made, that to promise to hold in sickness and in health, that we're going to stick on to it and go the long run together. And we feel unsafe, that is what successful marriage is all about. Wow, wow, wow. So, now I just want to jump in real quick. Is money important in marriage? Money. Yes, yes, money is very important in marriage, but money is not everything. As important as it is in marriage, it is not everything. Okay, why is it not everything? Because, for instance, I mean, you want to marry someone and then you're waiting for the person to be very rich. You want to say, okay, you want to marry someone who is very rich. Okay, fine. If the value that you look for in a man is wealth, okay, you get the wealth. But of course, that person that you're marrying will also be saying, oh, will this person have married me if I didn't have this kind of wealth? If I, didn't, if I was not this uh, comfortable, if I was not this sweet? And then, of course, you may end up having that person with money, but not having the values. Okay, so the most important thing to look for in, in marriage is look for the values and then, of course, let money be another thing. Okay, money is not everything, but money is very important in marriage because if money was everything, 
we will not. I mean, you know the same like, rich people who are also having now. Uh, um, challenges. Challenge. There's so many rich people, but they're having challenges in their marriage. So it's very important for you to make sure that in your marriage, there's there the values that you that, that that you look for have sustained. That in your marriage, that you you work at it to make it successful. That in your marriage, you I mean, you have integrity, you have trust. Because you could have all the money in the world without all these things, it would not the marriage will still not work. But let money be an added advantage. I'm not saying that we shouldn't work at getting money or I mean, work at being rich. Yes, money buys all the good things of life. Money will make us to be comfortable. We give us the cars that we need. We give us to take us to. I mean, we allow us to go on the kind of holiday that we want. But the most important thing in marriage is to look for the values. Ensure that the values that you love in a marriage, what you want in your marriage. That you're sustaining it, sustaining it in your marriage before you think of the money side. That's why I mean, that's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Love, I mean, money is good, but we shouldn't love it more than I mean, uh, I mean, how we should, uh, 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 I mean, more than uh, uh, other values in marriage. Wow! Wow! Awesome! Awesome! Now, I just want to jump in real quick. Um, now, for those who are listening to us if the sound is good just say yes and if the sound is not good say no just put it in the in the chat if the sound is good say yes if the sound is not good uh say no you know i just we just want to make sure that uh you are getting value so please we're just waiting for you to uh, give us a feedback if the sound if you can hear us say yes properly um yes okay good good uh, Toru Aliki, thank you so much. Uh, we have uh, my friend and my brother, Tolu Aliki. Uh, yes, okay. Uh, from Florida, he's also a John Maxwell coach. He's joining us. Uh, Odeemi Olaiwale is also with us tonight, also a John Maxwell coach, uh, joining us to celebrate you and to, uh, you know, just encourage you. Thank now, you very much, everyone. Yes, okay. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Is a good friend. Now, this this issue of marriage, what causes friction in marriage? What what are things, you know, because some marriages just see that they're wonderful, all of a sudden there is there is friction. What what causes friction in marriage? Okay, so um if you want to liken marriage to how leadership is, okay. I mean, when 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 God created man and woman, he said, husband love your wives okay and wives submit to your husband okay so there are three types of a uh, uh, leadership in marriage there's the authoritarian the authoritarian uh, leadership and then there's also the co-leadership what i call the co-leadership and then there's also the supportive leadership when we okay. go when we do not follow the biblical principles of these types of leadership in marriage i mean we, we of course we are bound to i mean have conflict the supportive, the authoritarian, let me talk about the authoritarian. In the authoritarian, you have, we you know, the man, you know, being a, a dictator, I mean, uh, not allowing the wife to make the decision, being, uh, uh, being, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, 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 how should I say it, uh, being, I mean, commanding, being like, uh, using, wielding a lot of power in the relationship, not allowing the woman to make decisions, you know, that is the authoritarian uh, a type of leadership. Then you but have is, the co-leadership. Hello, hello yeah. before you, is it only the the man that is authoritarian? The woman, so are you saying the woman can never be authoritarian? 
Yes, the woman can also be authoritarian. But what I'm trying to say is, in most in most cases, the man also can. I mean, the man mainly is the authoritarian leadership leading the marriage. Yes, okay. yes, because you, you do have. You do have, okay, for example, let me tell you about a story. You know, there's this story of a man, I mean, he was very successful at work, but in the home, he was not successful. The wife was always complaining that he was not, you know, standing in, he was not standing in as a man, he was not uh, standing in uh, as a husband, he was not standing as a father, he was not making decisions. So, I mean, the man now went for, I mean, they cancelled in, and then the counselor decided to, I mean, started asking him questions. I got to know that when he was young, the mother, was the dictator in the marriage rather than the dad. So he felt that was the order of things. So sometimes you have the woman being the dictator, but most of the time you have the man being the dictator. So what I'm trying to say is if you do not follow the biblical principles of what God wants in marriage, when he says the man will be the head of the home. But let's, I mean, mind you, the head that we're talking about now is not the head that dictates, is not the head that wears power, but it's about responsibility. Okay. It's about being responsible for your family, taking care of your needs, nurturing your family. So when you do not have the order of how marriage should be, when you have either the authoritarian or even the co-leadership, in co-leadership, you want to come together and say, oh, okay, the two of us must make a decision together. But what happens when one person is uh, not around? Or what happens when uh, uh, maybe there's an emergency? Won't uh, one person make the decision? But the one, the biblical one that God wants is the supportive leadership. The one in which the wife knows at the head, the husband is the head of the home. And then the husband also knows that even though I'm the head of the home, I must not lord it over my wife. I must also hear our own input in every decision that we want to take. And that's number one. And then the husband too also say, okay, look, okay, if I'm taking this decision, I will walk. I mean, we will, we will, we will go into the marriage you know, with, with the objectives and the goals that we want complimenting each other, I can say that, look, okay, these are your own strengths, these are my own strengths, these are your own weaknesses, these are my own strengths. So the other one will say, okay, I will do this, you are better than me in this, and then uh, I am better in, in this, then I will take this. I mean, let me give you an example. There are situations, where, I mean, there are things that are coming, you know, like in my family, for example, when we have to take decisions. You know, for instance, the, the kind of school that the child will go to, I will be the one to take that decision. Not that my husband cannot take that decision, but we say, okay, look, you have that strength. You are the one that's, I mean, so knowledgeable, you're well-versed, you know what to look for. Okay, so go and do this. Okay, then there's sometimes when we want to buy maybe a property. Of course, I'll leave that to my husband. I have that strength, you know, you're a speaker, you can always tell. So this is what I'm saying. You know, so when you have the order of things in marriage, you know, it makes the marriage, I mean, peaceful. But when the order of things is reversed, then, of course, you have the other way. But, you know, marriage, you have been married for over 25 years. You know, is, is it, I, I, you are making it sound as if it's as simple as ABC. You know, you are talking about scripture, you know, you are talking about, you know, authoritarian marriage, authoritarian marriage. But you, do you know that, you know, I'm just, I'm just speaking, I mean, I've been married for you know, over 20 years. Respect, I mean, we do respect you, you are my senior. But we want you to speak to those who are just starting off two years, three years in marriage. Is it, what would you, what would be your advice to them? Because you, you know, one of the sessions that we had about a year ago, you were saying that 
you know, the first five year, years of marriage is when you really begin to learn so much. If you can, you know, go beyond that, then there's a lot of hope. Can you speak to that? Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. I was uh, trying to, uh, I was trying to speak in towards the scope of leadership and marriage. But if you want to go that way, no problem. Okay, so my in my book, I wrote, I said that my book is usually for, I mean, not that, I mean, it's it's okay for everyone, okay, but usually I said that uh, um, the first five years of marriage is usually the most important in, in that marriage because most, most of us, even me included, I remember when I first got married then, I mean, I told myself, I said, okay, now I'm married, what next? And that was the first question I said in this book. I said, now I'm married, what next? What is the next thing? The next thing is to begin to work at your marriage. Okay, so imagine, I mean, before we got married, I mean, there was much love, there was a passionate love. I mean, we couldn't wait to see each other. I mean, we love to go on dates. You know, there was much love. I mean, they always say that the, 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 the courtship is the most enjoyable time in marriage. So after getting married, the next thing now, you begin to work at your marriage. Now marriage, what, what is marriage? Marriage is two people coming from different backgrounds with different ways of doing things, different values, different uh, beliefs, you know, and then coming together to live together as husband and wife. Of course, there's bound to be uh, friction. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, even you and your siblings, I mean, with the fact that you grew up in the same home, you still have pictures so talk less of two people coming from different backgrounds and they're coming to live together as one. So what are the first things that you, you start to do? The first thing that you start to do is to begin to work on your marriage. And what is the first thing? It is communication. Communication is that bridge in that marriage that lets you build your marriage. Because in communication, you begin to talk to each other. You begin to talk about your likes, begin to talk about your dislikes, you know, maybe somebody snores, maybe somebody is untidy, maybe somebody is um, uh, uh, too neat. There are people that are so neat. I mean, of course, I'm one of them. I'm the kind of person that uh, when I put my things in one place, I want to be able to reach for it in the Whereas in the past, it's the kind of person that when he keeps his things somewhere, he flings it and all over. So, you know I mean, two people coming together. So you begin to talk, you begin to, and that's why I say, in the first two years of marriage, it's better for the two of you to live together, you know, without any outside interference. No one from your family, no, no member of your family, if you can help it, should come and stay with you because this is a bonding time. This is a time when you need to really, really know yourself without any putting up a front in front of anybody. So that communication is very, very important. Already, can, of course, can I stop you there? You say that no member of your family should come and stay with you. You know, yeah. depend, you know. They, they say that it takes a, a village to raise a child in Africa, you know. Yeah. And yeah. you are now saying, yeah. look, I mean, your husband that was raised by a village, and you now say, okay, uh, his sibling or his, his uh, you know, his, they shouldn't come and stay with you. It, you know, would it not be very tough, you know, to push that across? I mean, some yes. people find themselves in that situation. What, what should they say? Can, can you speak yes. to that? Yes, uh, I mean, I, I'm good. I'm sure. I mean, I agree with you, Brooke. It's really, really very tough. I mean, because we have this uh, communal uh, life, uh, kind of living here in Nigeria. You know, we have uncles, we have sisters, we have you know. But I can tell you, one of the reasons why it is not good for what not that they cannot come and live with you. They can come, but if only they can be controlled. But in most cases, it may not work. 
let me tell you the reason why. It's not easy to control. Supposing, supposing, I mean, the, 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 the husband's sibling comes to live with him, and then the wife is pregnant, and then the husband wants to help the wife, maybe in the kitchen, to cook in the kitchen. This, I mean, uh, the siblings staying with them, I mean, you probably tell them no, or the, the parents are, ah, come and see your uncle, come and see brother, he's not the one doing us their work, the wife is, you know, so things like that, they can never be themselves, you know, because of that, if you can help it, and that's why I said, if you can help it, but if you cannot help it, well, you just have to live with it, but if you can, and that's why the Bible says, you know, the two of them should go and two shall become one. He did not say three shall become one. He said they shall leave their father and mother and shall become one. Because God knows what he's talking about. Because wow. at that particular time, he doesn't want interference. All this interference causes, you know, a lot of, um, I mean, misunderstanding in the marriage. If you can help it, fine. But if you cannot help it, then allow them to come and live with you. There was a story of a, of, of a lady who married her husband and then the, the husband's siblings came to live with them. And she found herself, you know, cooking every day. Cooking every day. She got so tired. She got so ill. And then she told the brother. She, she told the husband, I said, look, why can't you look for, I mean, a, I mean, a, a place for your for, for your siblings? I mean, you can rent them a place so that they can live there and then maybe be together and all that. You know what? The husband told the, the, the siblings and the siblings when I went and reported him in the beginning that, oh, that uh, our brother is sending us out of the house. And of course, <laughs> These are some of the things that happen. You can never be yourself while there's a third party. You need to be yourself because that's the time, that's the bonding stage. You know, that's the time when you show yourself who you really are. I mean, while you're still courting, I mean, there's no way you can actually, actually know yourself. I mean, there are still be some things. Sometimes you're on our guard, you know, especially when we're dating, we're on our guard. We don't want, we don't want to let out. But by the time you get married, what are you hiding again? You told me you're going to be together. You're going to be, you know, living under the same so you can't hide anything so this is wow. the time when you need to be yourself and to be yourself you need to be alone at that particular time if you can be helped it's better at least for the first two years we're not saying forever we're not saying that siblings cannot come and sleep with us but for those first two years it's always better for husband and wife to be alone together so that they can understand each other better and bond better because that bonding state it's very very important and that's why we say that if you're able to survive the first five years of a marriage you have the chance of going at it for a long run and so well, that's why this book talked about my book that i wrote talked about you know the seven essentials that can help you to build that bond okay. we'll, get to, we'll still get to that we'll still get to that awesome yeah. i can see that you know there's so much energy so much passion this area you know this is your niche area you are not just uh you know somebody that is speaking of marriage or you you know you are you are still you know undergoing that journey you know and to the glory of god uh we're trusting god that we will attend your 30th anniversary and many many ways and you're not just a speaker but you're also an author you know your book essentials of a successful marriage and you're also uh, a certified uh, professional marriage yeah and you're also a, uh, a certified uh, leadership coach now this issue of okay. leader who is the leader in the, in the marriage is it the husband or the wife okay when god created the man and the woman he said go and be together and then he also said the husband love your wife and then wife submit to your husband so that tells me something if god is telling you to submit to the to someone so that means that person is the leader 
You know, because okay. a leader knows the way, a leader shows the way. You know how we say it in John, in John Maxwell. So the husband is a leader in this case. But that leader, that leadership, unfortunately, a lot of people arrogate to power. And okay, well, even if you arrogate to power, I mean, when you have power, it is to serve the people. When Jesus Christ came on there, he came with power. But what did he do? He didn't wear his power on the young people. Yeah, I mean, he washed his disciples' feet. He did a lot of things. So in order not to digress, you know, the husband is the leader of the home. But there okay. must be a balance here. And then the wife also is the one that submits. But there must also be a balance to that submission. That submission does not mean that the wife is a footman that can be trod upon. No. You know, they are supposed to. The, the, the Bible said the, the wife is a helpmate. So as a helpmate, she's also the support leadership. The wife is also supporting the leadership of the husband. So she support leadership, co-leadership, support leadership. Wow, wow. Say, yeah. Awesome, awesome. Now, this issue of leadership, you know, what's the consequence of um, lack of leadership in the home? If there is lack of leadership, I mean, coming in, in a marriage, what's the consequence if there's no leadership? If there's no leadership, there's chaos, there's conflict. There's chaos, there's conflict, there's lack of intimacy, there's aloofness, there's no teamwork, everybody's just doing their thing, you know, no teamwork, no nothing, you know, the husband cannot speak in the house, the husband cannot speak to the children, the children will not also listen to the to, 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 the, to, to, to their father, the wife, you know, for instance, if the wife is used to shouting, at the, I mean, I mean, uh, maybe if the, or rather, let me just say, if the couples are used to talking back at themselves, shouting at themselves, you know, in the presence of the children, what do you think would happen? The children would think that it's the other of the day. But don't get me wrong. I mean, as couples, you do have your moments that you have misunderstandings. I remember what I used to do then. Anytime I have to discuss with my husband, I go to my room. I turn off the TV so that uh, the TV kind of muffles our voices just in case we tend to raise our voices, you know? So we, I mean, when there's no leadership, so that means maybe the aunt, well, leadership also is about respect. So sometimes when the husband is not getting the leadership that he's supposed to have, maybe he's not even giving the wife also that the reason for the wife to respect him. Because you can only, you can't force people to respect you. You can only earn that respect. So by the things you do, if you respect, and I can tell you, you know, most women, if, 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 if you love them, if you nurture them, if you listen to them, what does a woman want? You know the needs of a woman. A woman loves to be, I mean, I mean, not sure the woman loves to be to, to, to be affectionate with her husband. A woman loves, I mean, a lot of so by the time you begin to if you treat your wife well, what I'm trying to say is your wife too will also treat you well. If you love your wife, if you give her family, I mean a uh, financial security, I mean uh, you, you you take care of her, you do the things that you carry out your responsibilities in the home. The wife, of course, is bound to respect you. And when she respects you, then she can, I mean, at least uh, acknowledge your leadership in the home. So, if there's no leadership in the home, maybe someone is not doing what he should be doing. Probably mm -hmm. the man is not doing what he should be doing, or the wife also, for one reason or another, is not also submitting. And there be there can be a lot of things responsible for this, especially now, if I, the wife I, is. I'm sorry to jump in. I, I, I want to talk about trust in marriage. You know what does what do you need to do to make sure that your wife trusts you? Because some you know some instances. Uh, the husband will say that the wife doesn't trust her, you know, uh, trust him, you know, that she's always going through his phone 
trying to check whether there is any suspicious text. Can you speak to the issue of trust in marriage? Okay. Trust is a very intangible thing. It's quite intangible, but it's very, very important. It's very, very strong. You're sitting on a chair now, okay, aren't you? You're yes. sitting on a chair. I'm sitting on a chair. I'm sitting on that chair because I know that that chair will not make me fall. I trust that that chair is strong and you don't All make right. me fall. Okay, okay, so the same thing is with, is with trust. You see, trust is something also they have to earn by accountability. And that's wow. what I want to say, yeah, by accountability. From, I mean, in my own case, before I married my husband, while we were dating, we were already preparing for marriage, I made sure that I was accountable. Anytime he comes to my house and he does not find me at home, he knows where I am. I would always leave a message at home that, look, I'm with a friend, I've gone here, I've gone there. So I was building that trust. And because I was building that trust, it was easy for him also to begin to do the same. So you cannot force people to trust you. But by your actions, people can begin to trust you. I mean, there are times when, you know, of course you can make a, I mean, a mistake or whatever. But when you do make a mistake, say, ask, I mean, I mean, uh, just, uh, I mean, just confess that you made that mistake and apologize and move on. So the only way that we can build trust in the home is by also yeah. giving that trust in return. And how do we give that trust? By our actions, by, I mean, integrity, telling the truth all the time, saying it as it is. You know, I remember when my children were growing up and even I used to use it to myself. We had a code, you know, a code in everything that we do. We say WWJT, what would Jesus do? And most of the time, before I do anything, I always ask myself and I tell my children to ask themselves, if you do this thing, would you be brave enough? Would you be bold enough to tell everyone? Tell anyone yeah. that they thing? If your answer is yes, fine. If your answer is no, fine. So talking about trust, looking at your husband's phones and everything, you build your trust. You show him. I mean, for me, I can leave my phone anywhere. I tell my husband that, look, my phone is so free. Even if I password it, maybe it will be for reasons, maybe just uh, just in case I leave my phone in there. Maybe a stranger takes my phone. But my husband will always know my password. And I tell him that, look, you know my password. And I, I also tell him that I do not look to, I do not need to look at your phone because I trust you. Even though he's doing things that's not making me to trust him, even though if he's not being accountable, I will always tell him, you know, that thing that you want, you're speaking. You know I trust you. When he's going out, when he's traveling, you know I trust you. And I trust that you will not do that thing, that you'll be afraid or will not be bold enough to tell me. So you begin wow. to, as you begin wow. to say those things, you know, guilty conscience too, we also try to, you know, we also, I mean, the man too, we also try start to feel that, okay, I mean, if this man is saying all this, I better also, you know, be, you know. So I don't need to check his phone because I always tell him that I trust you and I know you will not do anything to hurt me. So I say, even though I'm not sure, but I say it until it begins to come. Is it that thing that you want? You have to speak it. And that's why the Bible says, speak those things that be not as though they were. And as you speak it more, it begins to happen. So even if they are, don't worry if your husband is doing, I mean, something by the side. By the time you begin to speak this thing and pray this thing as well, you know, pray this thing as well, you know, it begins to happen. Wow. Begins to happen. Wow. Now, you know, this area of divorce, what is your opinion about divorce? I, I know that, um, you know, it's a contentious issue, you know, um, 
you see marriages of decades and they still end up in divorce. I want you to what can, what are the things that can lead to divorce? Okay, so when we're talking about uh, marriages of decades, like, okay, I will say one thing. I will say that uh, in our own days, you know, when we we're growing up, we didn't have a good, we didn't have, I mean, we're not uh, opportune to have this kind of knowledge that a lot of people have now. And uh, so, I mean, a lot of us made mistakes along the line. I mean, which even the society is trying to correct and which even the church is trying to correct. Some years ago, you will never find a book in the church with sex inside it. Would you? You would never find. So a lot of us, so marriages of those decades, you know, they had, they, 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 a lot of us, a lot of us at that time didn't even go for counseling. So we did it the way we could, listening to friends, talking to friends. I mean, a lot of us didn't even know about counselors. You know, and that was why there was a, there, 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 there was a time when I was called upon to come and answer a question about young children. Young people saying, oh, they don't want to get married. I mean, all they see is, a, I mean, a, a divorce, a, a infidelity and all that. I say, yes, that we, our generation, we need to begin to apologize, you know, to the younger generation because we are not molded to them what a marriage should be. We are not molded to them and it is not our fault. We did not know better. In our own days, we could never ask our, our parents any question. I mean, we could, I mean, in our days, for instance, in marriage, I mean, the wife would never ask the husband for sex. They would say, oh, she's being there. Promiscuous. So you can imagine a wife that is, that is in a marriage that can never ask her husband for sex and then goes to the office and then somebody is complimenting her, giving her attention. What do you think would, would happen? She will begin to fall for that guy. So a lot of mistakes have been made. A lot of misconceptions have been made in marriage that has made a lot of us to, you know, I mean, that has made the divorce rate to go so high. So we are not modeling good marriages for people. Okay, but I would tell anyone that no matter how bad things are, as long as you have that commitment and as long as you're able to forgive, you can still go ahead with your marriage. I yeah. mean, yes, as long as, you know, and, and that's why the Bible says, you know, if you can forgive each other 70 times, 70 times, as long as you're able to forgive. I mean, I've had to cancel people. I've had to cancel. There was a there, there was a court. There was a friend that I canceled some time ago, a long time ago. You know, she was going to, I mean, divorce her husband. And why was she going to divorce her husband? Because she said she she her husband committed that. I mean, she was he was he was not faithful, you know, and she caught the husband red-handed in a hotel room with another woman. And I told her, I said, yes, I mean, you have a right to get hurt. You have a right to be sad. And you have a right to say you want to divorce him. But I asked her, can you forgive him? You know, so if he shows remorse, can you forgive? And she said, yes. And then, lo and behold, till today, they're still together. You know, so I was wow. able to answer that. So as you are able to forgive, it doesn't matter. If you're able to forgive, as long as there is no physical abuse, as long as there's no physical abuse, you know, because we, do, we would rather have a separation than have murder on our hands, you know. Mm -hmm. But as long as there is no physical abuse, we can still go at it together, you know. You sorted out. Now, I, I, want you to, I want you to speak to this, this issue of, you know, when you have a, a relationship, husband and wife, and, you know, they have a disagreement, and the, the woman moves out with the children, you know. What would you say to, I mean, you, obviously you don't, you don't have all the facts, but based on what I've just said, they have a disagreement, you know, and the woman moves away with the children and takes the children away. What would you say to that, you know, that kind of, 
you know, to those couples, yeah. Okay, yeah. The first thing you need to begin to understand is, okay, what is actually going on? You know, you need to call the two of them together. What is actually going on in the marriage? Is it that one person, is there physical abuse? Or is there, uh, and then there's something worse also, okay? Something worse than physical abuse, it's also emotional abuse. And wow. emotional abuse, yeah, emotional abuse can really, in fact, that, that's even more dangerous. You know, both of them are dangerous, both physical and emotional abuse. It's dangerous. And then it hmm. happens, and such happens even among Christians. Hmm. You know, and why do I say that? You know, we Christians, you know that because we're Christians, we're not supposed to go out there to commit adultery. And then you find, you know, a, I mean, uh, a spouse not, you know, fulfilling, fulfilling the needs of the, of the of the other person, and then knowing fully well that that person cannot go anywhere. So okay, okay can, can I just can I just can I just you know, there's a question here, uh, Mary Ellen Nadi, you know, she's also a John Maxwell coach. I think uh, we have so many of our colleagues here tonight. We celebrate and salute all of you. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, this is a leadership talk with Adegoke. Um, it's on Apple and Spotify podcast, and uh, I have with me Abiola Shoremeko. She's uh, works in the oil and gas sector. She's been married for over 25 years. She's uh, a certified marriage counselor. She's also uh, a certified John Maxwell coach, and we're looking at leadership and marriage. Uh, someone just asked the question. It says, uh, someone asked on Facebook, if a cheating wife can be given a second chance, can you speak to that? Yes. A cheating wife can be given a second chance, just like a cheating husband can also be given a second chance. Okay. So far, the most important thing is if the cheating partner shows remorse. Okay. That's the first thing, shows remorse. Then after that remorse, the next thing is begin to counsel them to know the reason why that person cheated in the first place. I mean, I don't think anybody will just go out of their way to go and cheat if there's nothing wrong with the marriage. Something has to be fundamentally wrong. Either the husband is not fulfilling his, uh, 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 I mean, uh, obligations with, to that respect, you know, in the home, or maybe even if he's fulfilling that obligation, he's not ensuring, you know, that the wife is even enjoying it. In my book, I talked about romance, and I said that in romance and sex, there's no place for a selfish lover. The two of you must have that harmony. You must be able to enjoy the act. It is not for one person to enjoy the act and the other person, you know, the other person is not satisfied. The two of them must enjoy the act. So what was responsible? Or is it that the husband was not giving the wife money and she, she, she had to I mean, find someone outside who was giving her money and she felt obligated to sleep with the man? So if the person shows remorse, that's the most important thing. If that person shows remorse, you can forgive and go on and then try and work at that thing that cost that thing again and then begin to build your trust but i can tell you that trust is not going to be built overnight it's going mm. to take time because the other partner that will feel cheated anytime the other part that person partner that cheated goes out i mean there'll be thoughts in his in, in his or her head to say oh i hope she has not gone you know she, she i mean she's not seen someone so it's not left for the partner who cheated to make sure that she's accountable so a lot of things will be put in place so that such things don't happen again. And then also for, for, for couples, how often do they go on dates? You know, how often do they spend time with each other? Do they know their love languages? 
Or, I mean, uh, is one partner so engrossed uh, with uh, the children, especially where, where we uh, female uh, spouses are concerned? You know, when we have children, we spend so much time with the children, we even forget the husband. You know, some of us are like that. And I always tell such people, it's good to nurture your children. It's good to give them time, but don't forget the person that you married the first time. Because the God is such a perfect God. The two, I mean, the husband and the wife started their life together. Then the children will come along, will nurture the children. And after the children will go. So if you do not give each other attention, when the children go, you'll find yourself as strangers. Wow. You know, so you need to know what caused that infidelity in the first place. And that's wow. one of the ways that we're going to cancel. It's possible. The same way, I mean, some men think that, oh, I mean, because the society thinks that, oh, men can cheat and get away with it, but a woman should not cheat. If a man can cheat, who says a man cannot cheat? If a man is not giving the wife attention, some people equate attention to be providing all the good things of life for the, for the wife and not giving that person attention. I remember I, 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 something I read about T.D. Jakes. He said something one time. He said, you know, he, uh, there was a time he bought his wife, you know, a gift, maybe a, a, a very nice looking dress and all that. And then he got a card and wrote some sweet nothings, you know, in that card, like, you're my love, you're my whatever. Do you know what T.D. Jakes' wife appreciated in that gift? It was a card. Not even the dress. So, I mean, so you need to begin to know the needs. There are basic needs of a woman. A woman loves to be romance. A woman loves to, I mean, for her husband to be affectionate towards her. A woman wants to talk to her husband, wants to feel close to the husband. It's not about giving gifts. It's not about making her life comfortable. You need to give yourself time. You need to spend time together. Thank you, you so much. Now, this, this issue of uh, someone is just asking, the, about love language, this issue of love, love language is it important in marriage? Yes, very important. You need to know your love language. I mean, there are five love languages. I may not be able to. I mean, I remember all of them. There's, I mean, spending quality time together. There's spending gifts. quality time together. You know, yes. gifts. For some people, it is gifts. You know, I mean, for some people, it is gifts. For some people, you know, I cannot remember, but at least what, I, I do remember. Yeah. Yes, you have words of affirmation. I love you. I, I, I mean, I love you. Do you know, for me, for me, I remember one time, you know, um, I was talking to a colleague. This colleague is not even, he's not a pastor. He's just, I mean, a Christian and all that. So we just got talking and he said, oh, I mean, do you know how my wife and myself, I think we got talking to one place and he said, ah, at any time he wakes up in the morning, he and the wife, they always greet themselves by saying, good morning, my husband, I love you. And I said, wow. This was a long time ago, and I picked that up. Every morning after prayers, my husband and myself, we greet each other. Good morning, my husband, I love you. Good morning, my husband, I love you. And I can tell you, Goki, sometimes it's so challenging, especially those times when we have misunderstanding. <laughs> those days when we have a misunderstanding. You know, wow, wow, wow. We know that we are committed to saying it. So even if we say it, project, good morning, my husband, I love you. So words of affirmation are very good. And you can imagine you've been saying that all the time, all the time. What do you think would happen? The love will go strong. It is that thing. Speak those things that be not as though they are. Oh, you're beautiful. You're looking nice. A man likes, you know, to be appreciated. Oh, you're looking nice. I like your shape. Oh, I think, I mean, I think this one looks better on you. Appreciate your man. You know, sometimes when you do something, sorry, I just yeah. want to comment because our time, you know, we we 
you know, we have a limited time, you know, but this is something that we can even do part two, part three, part four, you know. But uh, yes, <laughs> I want to speak to this issue of, uh, you know, spirituality marriage. You know, the husband doesn't want to be going to church and the wife wants to be going to church, you know, and it, it's causing a lot of friction. Can you speak to that? Very well. And they, they, became, they, were, they, they were very spiritual when they got married. All of a sudden, you know, the husband stopped going to church. Okay. I will use myself as an example. When I first met my husband before we started, um, when we started dating, okay, I was not a Christian. I was not a born again Christian. I was a Christian, a nominal Christian, you know, and he was also a Christian, but not, you know, a born again, spirit-filled, in quotes, Christian. Okay, so along the line, as we started making plans for marriage, I became born again. I dedicated my life to Christ. And I told him, I said, there, yeah, I've dedicated my life to Christ. And so things have changed now. All those stuff that we used to do, you know, before marriage, you cannot do. We need to wait. Okay, fine. Okay, so we went into marriage and I was still continuing my spirituality, but he was not. Okay, he was not born again, but I was born again. And so anytime I, I want him to go to church, he's not ready to go to church with me. So what did I do? What did I do? I can't force him. So what did I do? I wake up very early in the morning, ask him, dear, what would you like me to prepare for your breakfast? If I prepare his breakfast, everything, and I think the children will go to church. And then when I come back, I'll tell him, oh, dear, I mean, the church was so nice today. You know what the pastor said? It's not most of the time he grunts and just say, okay, I'll be here. You know, but I kept on doing this until one day. You know, I was very late. I woke up late that day, and I quickly made his breakfast, and I said, okay, let me jump quickly into the bathroom. And, you know, go and have my bath. Only for my husband to jump into the bathroom. I said, ah, dear, but you know I have to be late for church. He said, hey, hey, is it only you that wants to be blessed? I'm also going to church. So, you see, is it, do not, when you have, I said, it was at that time. I understood at that time when I was going through that period that this is what God said when he said, do not be equally joked with unbelievers. Because it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult when you have a non-believing husband. But I can tell you, even if you have a non-believing husband, even the Bible says that they can be won over by the actual of their yeah. wives. There's yeah. a story of this great man of God. I mean, I can't remember as a lamp or something like that. The wife was so I, I, I want you I want you to, you know, because there, there are quite a number of people on this platform. If you have uh, shared this page, just say yes. And if you have not shared this page, I want you to share this page because there are people out there that must listen to this message. If you have shared this page, Say yes. If you have not, say no. We want you to like. We will not continue until you share this page, please. Say yes if you have shared this page, please. Please share the page. Share the page, please. please <laughs> Nobody has said yes. So Let's not be selfish. Let's allow others to also listen to the message. Honestly, you need to share this page. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, please go on. Go on, mother. Yes. Okay, so there was this great man of God. The wife was, I mean, a Christian, and the wife, the husband was not a Christian. So anytime um, the wife goes to church, the husband was always so abusive and everything. And then there was this particular day, the wife went to church, and the husband locked the wife out. And the wife came back from church, found the door locked, knocked, and the husband refused to open the door. What did she do? She sat in front of the door from morning till daybreak. From the early wow. hours of the morning, they pray. And wow. the husband opened the door and found the husband, sorry, and the husband opened the door and found the wife seated there. And then the wife just greeted the husband. You, of course, would have expected the kind of anger or outburst. She just greeted the husband that, hello, darling, 
what can I make for you for breakfast? Wow. The man was, he was, I'll try and I can't remember the name of this man of God. I mean, he was a very great man of God. And that was it for him. He said, where I want to go with you to where you are being taught, I mean, to behave like this, to live like this. Because he expected a kind of outburst from the wife, but she didn't. So if you're married to an unbeliever, you can still win them over. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of patience. Okay, thank you. Now, there's a lot of instances where, you know, I mean, you you live in Nigeria, but some people are abroad and, uh, you know, they have prenuptial agreements. What what would you like to say to that? Well, they have prenuptial agreements. Is it prenuptial agreement of... uh, uh, Before they get married, yeah. Is it it the one that uh, they live together before they marry or... No, 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 no. There's already... You know, in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, divorce, in terms of their resources, you know, the money, how they're going to share the money and so on. So there's already, you know, prenuptial. Can you speak to that? Yes, okay. What does that tell you? It shows that there's no trust. Wow. I mean, it's just a lack of trust. If I'm not trusting, you know, and that's that, and that's the thing. I mean, and, and that's, I thought about this earlier. I mean, like, if you're, if you're marrying a man, I mean, that is very rich, maybe much, much richer than you. There's every possibility that that man is going to have at the back of his mind that, well, I'm not sure if this lady actually loves me. She may be marrying me for my wealth because of what I have. So things like that would always happen. So the man would always want to protect himself, especially in that world where, you know, there have been cases, and I don't blame that, really. There have been cases where people, I mean, people have divorced, and then you see the wife asking for, I mean, a share of the estate. So it all boils down on trust. If you don't trust each other, I mean, if you don't trust each other, if you don't, if you, if, if, I mean, if you don't trust the fact that, I mean, I'm marrying you because I love you. I'm marrying you because, I mean, not because of what you have, but because of who you are. You need to be able, it, it's difficult, it's challenging, but you need to be able to show that person that, look, I'm marrying you for who you are and not for what you have. I'm wow. telling you, it's very challenging for a now, man that has that much. But you can tell, I mean, yeah. Okay, sorry. Now, sorry, I'm trying, I, you know, I'm interrupting a bit because of the yeah. time. I just yeah. want to pack in as many questions as possible. Now, this okay. issue of, you know, people, uh, husband and wife, you know, living abroad and, uh, you know, because of the laws like in the UK or even in the US and the wife kicks out the husband. And the wife what? kicks out the husband, you know, kicks him out, tells him to move out of the house. You know, in Nigeria, that doesn't really happen. You know, but, um, <laughs> 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 what, 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 what has the husband done for the wife to kick him out? What has the husband done? Well, we have a society there that supports you know, women. So if you know you're going to be in that society, you had better behave yourself. You know, <laughs> you have to yourself. You know, <laughs> there are people. I mean, couples. When I see couples, you know, who are relocating, what I always do is I will call the the husband. I will call the husband and I say, "Look, you're going into a society where women are respected, where women, I mean, are giving the advantage over the man. So you had better be careful. Know where you're going to." and know how you will behave. 
you know so i mean that's that's just the way it is you know something must have happened for the wife to kick out the husband why the tolerance level there is very low probably mm. maybe the yeah. husband has done so. yeah the tolerance level there is very low and people don't give i mean people don't really care i mean i mean if you cannot if you cannot provide for the family you know there's nothing like oh i mean uh, i mean I'm, I'm looking for a job or i'm leaving a job because um i, I mean i'm not satisfied what they're paying me or i'm going to sit at home or should i get a job if you are not providing for the house then <laughs> you cannot be eating you cannot be getting a, a free food free eating free everything so things are tough out there you know they pay a lot of bills and all that so the tolerance level is very low so if you are not contributing to the upkeep of the house might as well get out that's the way it is for them really but you know in nigeria it's not like that you know in, in nigeria it's most of the time the wife you know going out of there i mean leaving the house or the husband kicking out the wife and all that you know it's a different ballgame over there it's a different ballgame but it can be worked i mean once there's love once there's um once there's an understanding once there's you know communication which is very very important we need to be able to communicate we need to be able to talk to each other what is actually wrong i mean what are we going through we can't you know husband and wife cannot afford to keep secrets from each other like anytime i i try to talk to my husband in me i mean for me i try to talk to him i try to know what is going on in his life and sometimes you know when i know that he's believing god for something i always put him in our family prayer you know it shows that you care you know so you can always talk about things you know you know everything does not have to be you know i mean about money sometimes you know wow, wow. now i want you to speak to this uh you know in terms of raising children you know times there's a bias you know uh, men feel that the 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 wives you know they they because they're closer to the children they they manipulate them you know to to you know to make the husband uh, be at a disadvantage. Can, can you speak to that? Raising children, yeah, in marriage. Okay, thank you very much. You know, in our setting, we grew up in the kind of setting, things are different now. But in our own setting, we grew up in those days when uh, um, um, the, 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 the wife is always the one taking care of the children. When it comes to taking the children to school, I mean, uh, during open day, or one thing or another, the wife is always the one responsible for doing all those things. The husband just goes to work and then uh, and pays the bills. So what do you find? You find the, 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 the children, you know, of course, tilting more to the mother, you know, because the mother is always there for them. But, I mean, during the day, during uh, all those school sessions, all those whatever, the mother is there. In my own case, I used to tell my husband, I said, look, you better be involved in the lives of your children. If you're not involved in their lives, tomorrow when they become strangers to you, when they start to buy their mommy cars or whatever, and they're not doing anything to you, don't blame you. You know, so I always tell them, I mean, so if the husband, I mean, men should try and get more involved. Those days are gone when you think it is a woman's job to take care of their children. It is a woman's job to go for open day. It is a woman's job to attend the graduation of your children. No way. It is both your job, you know. You can always find that balance. If one person is busy, another person can go. Show your children that you care for them. If for children, it's not just about money. You need to care for them. You need to show that you care for them. You need to be there for them. You need to be able to talk to them. I talk to my children. I talk about school. I talk about everything. When they were in school abroad, 
I even have their timetables, their school timetables. So I can always tell, you know, I can always tell where they're supposed to be attending lectures or not. Sometimes I even try to call them when they're attending lectures. Wow. So, so that when they answer me, I'll say, ah, ah, are you not supposed to be in lecture? What are you doing? You know, so I go to that depth. You know, so we men, husbands should have, I mean, should, should, should try and put in more time, get to, I mean, be involved in the lives of their children so that the children wow. also, in the, I mean, when, when they get older, they would also be involved in the lives of the two of them. I mean, the, in their parents, they will not say wow. Okay, so wow. it's very, very important. Those days are wow. gone, you know. Wow. I just yeah. want us to, those of us that are on this platform, just appreciate uh, Nabiola Shoremeko. She's done very well. She's done very well. Just say thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, I want you just to share about your book, you know, um, and how we can contact you. Uh, we can buy your book. I know you have a book, uh, Essentials of a Successful Marriage. And uh, I was privileged to be uh, part of... Uh, you know the unveiling of this book um you know i'm just so proud of you you are you are our ambassador as it were you know <laughs> globally now the whole world is listening to you just please go ahead and present your book to okay so yeah this is my book essentials of a successful marriage a step-by-step -step guide i was led to write this book i mean i go, i received a direct calling from god to write this book okay so i always tell people I mean, the reason for my writing this book. I come from a polygamous home. My father had five wives. My mother was the first wife. And so I grew up with a lot of, you know, unpleasant memories, you know. And I made, as a child then, I made a silent vow to myself that I would never, I would do everything righteously possible to make sure that I don't be in the situation that my mother was. And neither would I allow my children to also be in the same. So. Eventually, my parents separated. My, my, my mother was the first of five wives. My parents separated, and we got to live with our mom. But we had this half-brothers, our three uh, half-brothers, they were, they were, I mean, uh, they were living with us. My mom was taking care of them at that time because their mom passed on at a very early age. So they actually thought that my mom was their mom. So at that point in time, when my parents were separated, my mom could not take them. So fast forward, we lost contact with each other. And then fast forward, because my mom was no longer there, my dad took them to um, their guardian to live with them. And of course, these children grew up, these my half brothers, they grew up, you know, feeling rejected, feeling as if nobody cared for them because they thought my mom, I mean, abandoned them. You know, they thought we, their siblings, also abandoned them. So eventually, we got, you know, together. And for one of them, he was on his deathbed. He was in a coma. Because at that time, when they were living alone, I mean, they did, they were depressed, they were dejected, and they did the only thing that they could do. He turned to drinking. So he got, I mean, in his 40s, you know, he got to drinking, and drinking to the extent that he damaged all his organs, and he had to be in a coma. Eventually, he passed. And at that particular point in time, I started to think that this thing called marriage, sometimes the rippling effect is like when you drop a stone inside water, you will never know how far the ripples will go. What happened? This guy is, I mean, this guy died for something of, I mean, that he did not have a part in, in, in the decision of his life. He happened to be, he happened to be a victim of circumstance in that home. So I got back and I started thinking, what do I do? So I got into, I mean, I started getting involved in, in, a, in a marriage counseling and all that. But then it was in, only a localized thing. 
So, and one day, I, when I celebrated my 50th birthday, I received, and God especially told me that I have brought you this far so that you can just revel in whatever you have accomplished. Okay, you're happily married at this age. What are you going to do about it? At that particular time, in 2017, I decided to write this book. I started writing this book since 2017, but I didn't have the time to complete it. So I completed it to the glory of God during lockdown in 2020, and I published it. And I made it so affordable, it's 1,000 naira. Sometimes I even give it to people for free. For me, I'm much more. I mean, and before I publish the book, I pray that as many people as God will use this book to impact, I pray, I pray, I pray that God will use this book to impact as many people as He can. Because wow. what are we talking about? If 50%, you know, marriage is the smallest unit in a society, and you can always wow. tell the society, by the kind of marriages that we have. We are having wow. so marriages today, and what wow. are we having? We are having a society that is full of the area boys, that is full of the kidnappers, that is full of banditry. If those people were in successful homes, in successful marriages, are we going to be having banditry? Are we going wow. to be having kidnapping? So, wow. I mean, it is not enough for us to just to talk about what is going on in the country. So many area boys, kidnappings, whatever, the government is not doing. What are you doing? What are you doing to do something about what is happening? Wow, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, I, I want you to ask me, this is the final question. You know, um, it's been amazing. This is Leadership Talk with Adegoke, the 41st session. And we're looking at leadership and marriage uh, to, with me on uh, this platform. Uh, this amazing time is Abiola Shuremeko. She shared so many nuggets. I want you finally to to talk to, to us. Who are your mentors in, in, in closing? Well, would you be surprised if I tell you that books, books and books are my major mentors. Why? Wow. Books are my major mentors. Books are my major mentors. In fact, in my, um, in my book divider, I have an inscription that says, books are the quietest and most constant of friends. They are the most accessible and wisest of counselors and the most patient of teachers. Okay, wow. not that I don't have, I mean, of course, I mean, I've read a lot of books. I mean, I've read, uh, I mean, so, so many books. But some of the books that have really, really touched my life, you know, the book of Stormy Omatan. Stormy Omatan, she wrote, I mean, uh, The Power of a Praying Wife, Power of a Praying Parent. And I remember that that book really touched me in the early years of my marriage when I was going through a lot of challenges. You know, because I had made that vow that I wanted, that I didn't want what my mom went through to also happen to me, neither did I want my children to do same. So I was very eager to have a successful thing. So I was forcing things. And at the end of the day, as I was trying to force things, I was even making things worse. So I wow. started to pray. And then I stumbled on that book, Power of a Praying Wife. And I said, oh, yes, I've got it. Because in those days, the prayers I used to pray was, oh, God, change this man. Where is this man being like this? God, change him. God, do this. God, do that. But when I read Tommy O'Matean's book, the first chapter said, if you want God to change you, you need to change yourself first. And so with that book, he worked on me. And with what it was after he worked on me, that I was able to now work on my husband. Wow. So, I've always been my mentors, but I have, I mean, also, of course, I have, 
I mean, human mentors. I have uh, the couple, Pastor and Pastor Mrs. Deborah Oshikoya. They've been married, I think, maybe going to 40 years, if I'm or maybe 50, or I don't know. But they're very strong couples. They attended my, uh, okay. uh, when I published my book, they're very, I mean, they've been my mentors. Wow. I have uh, a I mean, I have a pastor in Redeem that I always talk to anytime I have an issue that I need to share, you know, um, cancer because every counselor also needs a counselor. We're not, we don't know if every mentor also needs a mentor. And then also, I look for mental. the good things wow. people. I look at people around, I look at the good things in people, and I talk to them. When I see someone achieve something very nice and something very laudable, I talk to that person, I appreciate them, wow. and I ask wow. them how they did it. So wow. I learned thank you so much. Thank you yeah. so much. Wow. This has been amazing. I know we can go on and on and on, but you really shared so much tonight uh, this uh, on this platform, Leadership Talk with Adig, okay? I want to thank everyone that has joined us, and uh, I want to let you know that we are so thankful for you, all the comments and the feedback, and this has been an amazing, amazing session. For those who are going to watch the replay, please feel free to uh, contact, uh, you know, send a DM if you would like to uh, contact Abiola Shoremeko. So have a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you so much. Thank Until you. next time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank so you so much for thank also bringing you. me on this program. Thank, thank you for you. bringing me on this program. And thank you for thank everyone you. who took the time to join us. We are not thank taking you. you for granted. You could have been doing other things, I mean, with your time, but you decided to come and listen thank to you. Leadership Talk with Adego K. I mean, thank you, thank, thank you so much, and thanks to um, the coach, our coach, you know, Adeko Girl Omotala. Thank you for always showing up. Thank you for always bringing people or great content, and for always giving us. I mean, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. We bless God, man. Thank you. Thank you. See thank you, you. and bye bye. Thank I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.